Hello and welcome to This Andorian Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My name is Steve Rudd. I'm Nick Gunning, and we're following the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi to the Ewok TV movies, and finally now to the 80s cartoon. So glad to be here, Steve. Oh, yes. Yes. Today, today is the day we are starting the Ewoks cartoon, discussing season one, episode one, The Cries of the Trees. So this episode originally aired on television September 7, 1985. September 7th, 1985. I always That's get corrected. Right. That's right. That. I, I do that. Oh, you say seven instead of seventh. I know. It's a habit. I just read it verbatim. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's take a look at the cast and crew for this uh, episode here. And now what we're going to do here, I'm going to take you through the, this first season cast. There's a pretty substantial cast change mm-hmm. from season one to season two. So I'm going to give you the season one cast. And then each week we're going to focus on one particular cast member and just give you a little more info about uh, what else they've done career wise. So let's dive mm-hmm. in. First of all, this is more of a fun fact, but this episode was compiled along with four others to make the feature-length story The Haunted Village, and it was released on VHS and DVD. So I'd seen it before in that context, and my son had as well. Those do not have the theme song on it, because mm. they tr- it, they're cut to be like a movie, so you don't get like mid-credits and things, and there's no opening theme song. It's more of an instrumental. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so watching this for this episode was really the first time that I've heard those that opening credits song. Yeah. And it's uh, it's, it's something unique, else. Right? It's yeah. something else. <laughs> Taj Mahal is the musician's name. Taj Mahal and, and Shira Mahal. Wow. So well, like an Afro-Caribbean masterpiece. Got, um, <laughs> hopefully his actual music is better. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, the music is by Patricia Cullen and Peter Shaw, just the, the instrumentals and like <laughs> incidentals in between scenes and things. It was directed by Raymond De Felice, written by Paul Dini. Paul Dini, who would go on to have a huge name in animation with Batman the Animated Series and essentially yeah. the whole DC animated universe. So lots of good things to come from Paul Dini. But uh, here he is in the early days writing the first of the Ewok cartoons. Here's our cast. Uh, all new cast. We don't have carryover from the past movies and things. A lot of character carryover. But we don't have the same voice cast. And I'm right. frankly grateful for that. I couldn't have listened to a whole series of that. Like, oh, Cindo, let's go find a Wilfred Bailey and hang out in his house. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't know. At least oh, enough man, is enough. So terrible. With that. that is such a good point. Enough like... is enough. Anyway, our cast today includes Jim Henshaw as Wicket, Cree Summer as Nisa, Jackie Burroughs as Morag, George Bowser as Chief Chirpa, Doug Chamberlain as Logray, Paul Chato as Paplu, Allison Court as Milani, Don Franks as the Duloc Shaman, Pam Hyatt as Aunt Bozzy, Eric Peterson <laughs> as Tebow, Greg Swanson as Weechee. Richard Donat as Weege and Nani Griffin as Shadu. Our featured cast member for today is Jim Henshaw. He voices Wicket in the first season, so 13 episodes. 26 episodes total in the series. We've got Jim Henshaw for the first 13. He was mm. best known for his work in Care Bears. Were you a Care Bears kid, Steve? Uh, I was not. Oh, really? New, one of the new shows that's out, the Care Bears, uh, Carolot, something like that. Okay. One. My kids watch that, and I actually kind of like it. Oh, my gosh. So you're <laughs> like a brony, but for Care Bears. What do they call that? Care bro. They... I don't know. Care bros. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. If that's not a thing, that's that's solid gold. You need it to trademark right now. that. Hashtag you Care Bros. trademark Start that. It. <laughs> well, I was big into Care Bears in the 80s. You know, I, had, I remember I had this Care Bear pajamas that I loved. I, of mm-hmm. course, had Care Bears. Always loved the Care Bear cousins that weren't bears. 
Oh, there was yeah, like, like the, the lion heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you know yeah, it. Yeah. You know it. But anyway, Jim Henshaw did voice one of the Care Bear cousins in the first two movies. He voiced Brightheart Raccoon. So he was the um, cousin that would go and steal their garbage at night. Right. <laughs> 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 trash panda Care Bear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after that. <laughs> I'm laughing too hard at my own joke. <laughs> Brightheart, knock it off. We have to save Carolot. Not again. Sunshine, anyway. get the broom. Right. <laughs> so he, he voiced Brightheart Raccoon for the first two movies and then would go on to voice Tenderheart Bear. Okay. He did that for all 40 episodes of the classic series, as well as two of the specials. So that's Jim Henshaw, who's Wicked today. Lots of Care Bear work. Uh, are you ready to get into the cries of the trees, Steve? I am. I Take am, at, especially after the... We just roll right from the creepy intro music uh -huh. right into the movie. Yeah. All right. Wicked and a group of his friends search the forest floor for aura blossoms for the upcoming Festival of Hoods. After accidentally falling down a hill, Wicket discovers a crop of aura blossoms. But a closer look, the group discovers that what they thought were aura blossoms are actually wispies, one of which is Isrina, the queen of the fire folk. The distraction allows Aunt Bozzy to sneak up on them and catch them not doing their duty. They leave, and Isrina is left behind and suddenly attacked by monsters. Isrina is captured by Morag, the minion's master, and is taken away to be a tool in her devious plot. Meanwhile, back at the Ewok City, Logray and Chief Chirpa develop a fire-extinguishing foam. Wicket and the rest of the group struggle to corral Vega, Wicket's pet Bordock, and causes a mess before Tebow can stop it. They give Vega a bath and accidentally spill the bathwater on Aunt Bozzy. This is where we find out Wicket's full name is Wicket W. Warwick, which stands for Wicket Wistery. Warwick. Mm. Pretty cool. Back at Morag Stronghold, we find out her devious revenge plan is to make the Wispies catch fire in order to set the forest ablaze to get back at Logray, an old friend of hers. Dulok also bumbles in requesting bug repellent for his people and suffers watching the whole plan come to life as the Wispies light the dry forest ablaze. Back at the village, Wicket Tebow and Paplu play a drop the sack game that comes to an end when Aunt Bozzy once again gets covered in mud and the group is busted by Chief Chirpa. As punishment, the boys are tasked to clean up the forest floor. A fire wispy ignites Wicket's broom and the forest floor is set ablaze. Chief Chirpa and the other adults show the boys how to put out the fire. The boys are blamed for starting the fire since they lied about playing the mud game. The elders don't believe their new story either. That night, all three friends experience a shared vision where the forest trees are screaming out in pain. They all wake up and realize there is something wrong with the forest and discover it is on fire. They try to warn the village but are quickly attacked by a fire wispy. Tebow thinks fast and splashes water onto the wispy, putting it out. The Wispy is none other than Queen Isarina, who tells them she was put under a spell by Morag. They agree they must warn the rest of the village. Back at the village, the Festival of Hoods is underway, acknowledging the coming of age of three young Ewoks. Wicket bursts into the festival ceremony and informs the village of the forest fire. It takes some convincing, but Chief Chirpa commands everyone to prepare the defenses. 
The Ewoks try to combat the fire with water, but the river is dried up by Morag's minions. Utilizing a catapult, the Ewoks begin to make headway, launching foam sacks until Morag engulfs the catapult in flame. Wicket acts quickly and throws one of the foam sacks at the catapult and also extinguishes two cursed wispies, breaking their curse. With the catapult now aflame, the group decides to attack the flames from above, dropping the extinguishing foam bags using gliders. Yes. The idea is successful enough to clear a path for the rest of the village to reach the soul trees. They mustn't be harmed. On her way, Aunt Bozzy is almost roasted, but Wicket drops foam on her. Her curses turn to praise as she realized Wicket saved her from being burned. Morag, from atop her lookout point, is furious. Her plan is failing. The Wispies get their revenge by dropping a foam sack on her. <laughs> Rain begins to fall, and Logray thanks the spirit tree. Wicket and Nisa dance, for they saved the trees. Aunt Bozzy thanks Wicket for saving her and gives him a big hug and kiss causing him to stumble dizzily and managing to say, before collapsing in a puddle. The end. Choice. Yeah. Choice. Listen, right away I had a better time than the last two movies. How about you? I know. 100%. You know, there wasn't much to it, but there was a story and a plot line to follow, and there was deceit and evil plots. I understood everybody's motivation, you know? There was peril. Yep. Some pretty exciting stuff. I was actually a little surprised to see that there were actual connections to the Ewok movies. I know, right? Isrina, right? Isrina. That's, and that's we the... see the spiders. We see the spiders in the beginning, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Isrina is the most obvious because that's a character that's original yeah. to Caravan of Courage. And Absolutely. it wasn't just the Wispies in general. It was like actually Isrina, who was a major kind of a savior in the, in the first uh, Caravan of Courage movie. So. Not ignoring those, because I think, you know, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, those Ewok movies did pretty well for, you know, Lucas and ABC yeah. and all that. So I don't think that now it's kind of like those are rough. But I think at the time they were just like, yeah, cheap and successful. Let's do it. Yeah. So, and it was, you know, it, it's cool, too, that they just continued those characters that they didn't, um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, let's just try everything new. It was, you know, they, they used what worked. Right. Yeah. I mean, all the kids like the droids and stuff from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, all the kids must have liked the Wispies and and stuff. So there's their, you know, they added those into the show, too. Well, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think that's smart. The thing that surprised me, I guess, was that Teak was not a part of this, you know, from from Battle for Endor. I mean, that seems Mm -hmm. like an obvious to me. Yeah. I mean, that just seems like, no, I think that would be a good character to include because he stayed Mm -hmm. behind as you and Crystal and I lamented at the end of Battle for Endor. You know, nobody was together. Nobody was friends. The fact that they pulled his arena, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the, uh, maybe this was all kind of written and set in stone prior uh, to the Battle for Endor landing because this came out in, uh, in 85 as well. So Maybe that's why we got Caravan of Courage characters and not Battle of Endor characters. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There, there is a character that looks like the the, the Dulok Shaman. Yeah. He, his character, like I guess his look kind of reminded me of Teak. You know, oh, okay. with like a weird like half puppy. Yeah, half, I could kind of like, see that with the ears and stuff. Something, yeah. 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 So I don't know. He just reminded me. Not not even close to being that same kind of character, though. It, uh, so it feels a, a little. I mean, let's talk about this opening theme song for one, because it is yeah. 
I mean, it's a little bizarre. I don't know how mm-hmm. atypical it is from other 80s cartoons at the time. You know, yeah. just trying to think about like what those other things would have been. I mean, the the opening sequence of the credits did kind of feel like a throwback to, you know, shows like The Wuzzles or Shirt Tales or something like that from the early yeah. 80s that I have like vague memories of. So I don't think it would have stood out from other cartoon themes at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, no, they were all kind of bizarre like that. Like, <laughs> they were. Um, they had their own thing really going. weird or they incorporated like some sort of guitar, like yeah. an electric guitar, uh-huh. you know, like remember Denver, The Last Dinosaur oh, yeah. and like Captain Planet and all yeah. those kind of had that, like, you know, like Power Rangers, uh-huh. you know, all of those. Well, yeah. I guess that's much later. Yeah, like, you're pushing into the 90s with that. Yeah. But no, you're. it's a good <sighs> point because that is kind of what the what the music was like. I feel like... This is kind of a, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I'm kind of surprised that this was the one that they aired first because it's not a particularly like fun episode. Yeah. I I think the, like the opening credits are going for a real, like we're all family and we're all Ewoks, yada, 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 you know, and then the episode is very much like, we're going to burn your aunt alive and we're going to burn this forest down, (laughs) you know, so way back, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, no, I agree with that. That it, it, it and we also don't get in, introduced to a lot of the characters. You know, like we talk about, you know, we introduce these characters at the beginning, but a lot of their names aren't even said in the show. It's true. So well, yeah, you know, and I, I mean, a conversation you and I had off mic, we were trying to decipher, like, wait, now are these the parents? Are these the siblings? Yeah. Are these the friends? Like, what exactly are the relationships? You didn't have a traditional pilot, really. You didn't have mm-hmm. a pilot that was kind of like, here's the premise. Yeah. These are the characters. These are the relationships. Here's what we're going for. It kind of drops you in. So yeah, you have your protagonists and then yeah. antagonists, and then you do have that. I mean, they kind of. They did develop that right at the very beginning, you know, yeah. you walks in and there's the antagonist where you're like, okay, I'm, she captured his arena. Yeah. And since we've seen Caravan of Courage, we think she's bad now. You know, other people will obviously think the same thing, but since we know that background, yeah. we, you know, we, we already have, we're like, oh yeah, she's definitely bad because she captured his arena who's a you know hero in, in Caravan mm-hmm. of Courage. But uh, yeah, they have the Morag is the antagonist, the Ewoks are the protagonist. And then, and then you have that renegade who's the, the Dulock guy mm-hmm. that like, I, I have a feeling as we go, I can't remember, but I have a feeling as we go, he's going to do like nice things maybe, or like he's going to try to do mean things and fail, you know, mm-hmm. like, a, like a character. Yeah. Well, you kind of, you kind of had bad. like the, the heavy, the big bad, and you had sort of the, uh, you know, the, the kooky sidekick who's a villain, but is not yeah. like as bad as the really bad villain, you know, like that's a hallmark yeah. of that time. What did you think of the overall design, you know, like the Ewok village and the individual characters and this, you know, the, the settings, everything? I thought they did really good. Uh, I, I thought a couple of the actually there was a, a couple shots of, or I should say shots, but a couple angles of like the, the village that I thought were really fun because mm-hmm. it kind of showed the inter they, they gave it a real 3D feel yeah. on the screen that like, oh, wow, you know, like. There's multiple levels, bridges going across. I, I just, I thought they did a really good job of that. You know, uh, that was fun. I, yeah, I agree with you about some of the structures there. I did feel like the color palette was a little drab for a cartoon. Oh, yeah. And especially like an 80s cartoon. It's very brown. Very brown. Know? Very brown. And they, very they dress yellow. it up a little bit with some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the headdresses or whatever that the Ewoks are mm-hmm. wearing. But I guess I would have probably put in some more greens and some more 
you know, maybe flowers or just like make the sky contrast the blue a little bit more. It right. just, there's a lot of scenes where like looking at it as I was watching it with my son and it wasn't very visually appealing. And maybe that's just the times, but I no, just I found it to be very tan yeah. overall. It was very tan. And I think the forest texture got lost a lot where yeah. it was just kind of like a green on green on green on green. Where, yeah. Well, you where said, there wasn't like drawn in texture. Right. And, stuff like and that. you're right about the yellows too, because when there was an area that was lit or something that like kind of yellow wash faded everything into the background, yeah. it was almost, mm-hmm. it was almost the whole thing was kind of sepia toned. And so. it also makes the character strange too. Like Morag had like a yellow face mm-hmm. and Vega, their pet was purple. I mean, yeah. like this is yeah. bizarre. I think I would have liked a little bit more of like here are the Ewoks you're going to follow a little bit more like introduction mm-hmm. that way. But you certainly would know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Um, oh yeah. They didn't feel un Ewok to me, even though they're all just like talking normally. I mean, yeah. With when the peril came and they were all they were very like inventive and clever and coming up with things. Uh, we had another glider scene. So another glider we scene. Are, yep. We are we are four for scene. four with gliders so far. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty exciting. So I felt like there was a lot of things where you were like, oh yeah, Ewoks do that. You know, that yep. were here in the show. Did you watch it with your kids? I did. I watched it a bunch of times, and and one of the last times I did was with my kids, and and they're, you know, sometimes I, I look at their faces to see how they're reacting, uh-huh. and they kind of had this like shock and awe face to the point that when my wife came in from work, she looked at their faces and she's like, uh, "Should they be watching this?" You know, and I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> their faces were just like yeah. that zombie, like yeah. almost like half terror look on their face, and I yeah. thought, "Oh boy, somebody's gonna get up during the night with a bad dream," right? But, it was well, worth it, whatever, to let them do it. They I mean, wanted to watch another episode. They okay. did. They loved it. So yeah. Battle for Endor was obviously aggressively dark, and that would have like oh, yeah. scared the life out of my son. But he and he had a friend over when we were watching it, and they were just kind of playing around and they'd kind of check in every once in a while. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't enough to yeah. get them to like stop what they were doing and watch it until the fires started, until Azrena pops through and she because Wicket's holding a broom, uh, and Azrena yep. comes into the shot and hits the broom and it lights on fire. And then she kind of zooms into the forest and the whole forest is on fire because well, you said it in the synopsis, but they're using her to kind of destroy. Yes, her, yeah. And when that happened, when the fires were starting and they were like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? Then both my son and his friend were like locked onto it. So probably a similar situation with your girls there when it got a little bit intense, it, it kind of pulled them in. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, uh, and they, I don't think they like the uh, aliens on the spiders too. That yeah. What you, know, you said, the vision they have where the trees are all like weeping and then like converging on them. Oh, that was very, yeah. that was a scary image. It was like weird bird screeching too. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that definitely came from a different time. And I do remember like weird things in movies at yeah. that time yeah. being like that, like a mm-hmm. PG movie and just being like, Oh, that is like, you know, that, that, you know, that's on the, the, the high end of a PG 13 movie now because yeah. of the, the terror factor of it, you know, I can't remember what they call it, but they call it, you know, intense, you know, like intense scenes or Mm -hmm. something like that. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that was definitely an intense scene. I would say kind of put me off. I was like, oh, you know, I got to turn it down a little bit, (laughs) you know? That's a little heavy. Yeah. I would say that I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it didn't, I don't think it overstayed its welcome. I wasn't like, how many more minutes do we have on this? You know, it moved pretty quickly. It was clever, like using the the foam to put out the fire. You knew that was going to happen, right? Oh, sure. 
Oh, sure. I had to put it in a synopsis because it was just a random little scene yeah. in the show, and they're like, "Yes, we've created the fire explosion mm-hmm. foam," and mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be this episode. That's gonna be a thing. <laughs> that is going to you know, be a, a kid's thing." Going, oh, I wonder. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. As an adult, you're like, I figured it out already. <laughs> I think because so I I have vague memories of this episode, and I remember the episodes around because we had it either on VHS or DVD that the haunted village like movie, it was presented Mm -hmm. like a movie, you know, that was a lot more common. I feel like for the home video market, when they were starting to do that a little bit more, they, I remember Mm -hmm. they did that with the live action flash series. They took like three episodes and they were like, flash the movie. It's like, okay, that's three episodes without credits, but whatever. So I do remember (laughs) it a little bit, but the package that they put out that's haunted village, which is the four episodes, they are all a little bit spooky. Yeah. Like there is just kind of a spooky Mm -hmm. undertone to them. And it's funny because the character designs are so like light and fluffy. They are. Everyone is on either end of the spectrum. Either yeah. they're very evil or very good. And yes. then you got the Dulog guy. Yeah. Who's <laughs> just playing in the middle. I was glad to see Cheap Chirpa and Low Grape back in the mix. Yes. You know, that was a lot fun. of got yep. some familiar Ewoks back in there. Um, nice that Wicket took center stage. And I really like that they used Isrina again. You know, I think that's just a nice bit yeah. of continuity if you're in the 80s an Ewok fan, you know, it'd be like, hey, I remember her. So I think that was cool overall. Yeah, and they didn't overdo they didn't overdo her scenes either. I think mm-hmm. in uh, Caravan Courage, that, that, I think that was like a 15-minute scene that probably could have been done in three. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but like, yeah. you know, in this one, you're like, oh, it's Isrina. And then like she had purpose rather than like in Caravan Courage, she spent, you know, an hour in Mace's pocket. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. isn't that where she was? Pretty much. You know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There's a wispy, right? Yeah. Just at the right moment. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's oh just, I remember. She's just know? chilling. So, she's just like, chilling in there. Yeah. And this one, you she she becomes a character. And, yeah. And you feel for her because she is just part of this twisted plan by Morag to light the forest on fire. And, yep. you know, and you feel bad. And then when she gets that water splash on her, you're like, yes. And she's able to tell everyone what's going on. So it was perfect. You know, I thought that was, that's engaging. I like that they set up some backstory, right? Like we had some bad Mm -hmm. blood between Morag and Logre. And I liked Mm -hmm. that they layered that in there, that they were like, oh yeah, these two, they go way back, hate each other. I like that. I think that's a good, I think that's a good little through line to see how it goes. Well, they did it with, um, they did a little bit of that with, um, I wouldn't call it uh, backstory, but they set up, other characters right mm-hmm. so some of the people from that list were not really in the movie and if they were they were actually in that festival of hoods scene okay there were three ewoks so those three ewoks were gonna they're gonna become you know okay. regular characters in the show mm-hmm. so this episode it hit all the things it needed to do yeah it introduced you know the main characters the the antagonist protagonist you know anybody in between it set up that backstory, like you said. So we're going to have that compelling thing. We're probably going to have a lot of scenes with having to do with the soul trees and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's going to be a thing that they need to protect. And then these characters, they're going to be, you know, they're introducing new characters at the very end that you're kind of like, oh, all right, cool. Like three little Ewoks coming of age. They get their hoods. Yeah. You know, I thought that was strange when they were like, oh, yeah, for the festival of hoods. And I thought, oh, boy, what's this? <laughs> the festival of hoods. And then. They earn their hoods and they're part of the tribe, yeah. you know, and now they yeah. have to do work. That's cool. Right. And that's what's significant, right? That's the coming. That's why I said coming of age. I don't, yeah. They don't actually say that. But they're like, 
you know, now, you know, you're part of us. You're legit. We'll contribute. There is a pretty big paperback, like storybook collection of Ewok books that go along Mm -hmm. with this series. Some are originals, some are adapting episodes that were out there at the time. There were books and records and things. So even though this is only 26 episodes, uh, I think it did pretty well at the time. And the second season does that thing where it's two stories per episode. So, you know, they kind Uh. of... Okay. You know, messed with that a little bit. A little bit. And then, of yeah. course, the, the comic book, which which ran for quite a bit there as well. So, um, did the uh, omnibus is pretty thick. It is. And, yeah, I've yeah. read it. I've read it. I think my daughter should. has read it. I think. Well, she doesn't read, but she has looked at the pictures probably yeah. four or five times through now. Yep. Yeah, she loves it. And I, t- right. I told you right that uh, I was carrying that tray of glasses, and they tried to trip me with a rope. <laughs> tied to uh <laughs> tied to something yes when, and when my wife asked where they learned that from zoe said who is i learned that from a book and we knew exactly from yeah yeah i was like if, here comes an stsd walker yeah if <laughs> your kids SD. strafe you in a glider you'll know <laughs> that they've been watching the ewoks <laughs> and paying attention Freaking rocks on my head i saw this in the book you know <laughs> on that topic uh what is your ichiwawa moment for this episode I think my Ichiwawa moment was uh, the Isrina moment, right? Okay. I, I was watching it, and I and I completely forgot that you had said in the Caravan of Courage episode that we will be seeing her again. Uh-huh. I forgot. And yeah. when they were like, oh, the aura blossoms, they're not. They're wispies. And I thought, oh, wait. And then he's like, and then the one little one was like, it's Isrina, Queen Isrina. And I was just like, no way like, yeah here we are already I mean, we're like 30 seconds in and they're already bridging mm-hmm. caravan of courage you know so i thought that that was really cool and that's that kind of kind of set me up for the rest of the episode just being like yeah. all right all right here we go like this is great already this is cool you know yeah that was mine yeah Definitely i gotta mine. give it to their ingenuity for me uh yeah i think the uh you know making making the little foam to put out the fires and then mm-hmm. the whole catapult glider combo i mean you know that's yeah. a sweet stop spot for me with uh, ewoks so <laughs> the fact that they got that one two punch and they're putting out fires and you know i like that i just thought yes this is cool yeah yeah, and it was a, it was a time for the the elders to trust Wicket, right? Yeah, they didn't, they didn't they didn't trust him, right? And so this episode, there's that overarching metaphor yeah. of of trusting the entire episode. Yeah. You know, they lied once, and then, you know, they had to re earn their trust. And Here we go. And, and so do you it. think that's uh, do you think that's the message of this? Because normally these shows from this era will be like, now kids remember. Do you think that's the yeah. the hidden message? You know, you got to earn trust. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know because they did that you know. They lied about the game, and then they told the truth about something else. But they were like, "Oh, oh and it was the fire, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, I, I, it, you know, you know." They, the elders thought that they had just Chief Turpin thought they started the fire. Yeah. And Wicket was like, "No, it just it just happened, you mm-hmm. know, because he didn't know." And so they didn't believe him, and then they didn't believe him about the um, that the forest was on fire. And so, it, you know, after a long discussion, they were finally like, all right, you know, let's go. Let's let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. like, it is on fire. We need to listen to them, you know. And then they, again, doubted them about the gliders. The wind yep. is too strong and stuff yep. like that. And were, I think the whole episode they were, you know, working to, to regain So maybe trust. proving themselves. Yeah. And yeah. All right. Yeah, proving their I'll worth. I'll take it. Their, well, yeah. what do you think? What do you think of the whole thing? How many yub nubs does this earn from you out of five? I, you know, I really like this one. And I think... You know, I'd give this like, I don't know, four point two five. I don't want to get a four point five. So specific. But okay. I don't know, maybe maybe a four point. I'm gonna go to four and a half, I guess, because that 
it, it did such a good job and it could be a disaster after this episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. I don't care because this episode did so well at bridging those two mediums, the real life Star Wars and the cartoon mm. Star Wars mm-hmm. together. It mm-hmm. really did and yeah. it deserves that recognition for it. So I you know, I think I'd give it four. I, I think mm. it you know, I I, I would have liked a little bit more color. I would have maybe liked just a, yeah. a little bit longer setting the scene of like, okay, these are the characters. But, you know, as you're describing it, it's like they are having this coming of age time. They're kind of coming into their own. We had a clear villain. We had clear peril. You know, we mm-hmm. got to see how they figured it out and solved the problem. I think it's a, you know, it's an engaging piece of uh, 80s cartoon here. And I think that it's well written. Oh. Things are set up early on that pay off at the end. Satisfying conclusion. So, yeah, I'll give it four out of five. All right. Average 4.25. That's right. Yeah. Yep. We average right in the middle there. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was, uh, see, we should have had Crystal do this one with us because this was much less painful. I than, know. Uh, she would have been that. so much happier. She would have. Yeah. We'll have her back. We'll have her back. Yeah, and uh, if guys, if you didn't listen to the Sharknado special that we did over on 902 and here we go, you can pop over into that feed. Uh, Steve joined Kendra and I to talk all about Sharknado and it was uh, an experience. It was a blast. It, it was, was yeah. That's a that's a fun movie to to toot your way through. Yeah, right. Yeah, not the saying. No, it's definitely not. But it's, I don't uh, think so. But it. I like that you tried yeah. to get in a shark pun. I respect that. Yeah, that was uh, that <laughs> pun was more thought out than the entirety of the Sharknado movie. So we we felt I, give you like that. we were drowning the entire time <laughs> watching. It. How about that? That's <laughs> true. Just treading water, waiting for a shark to come end <laughs> it all. <laughs> All right. Well, you can join us next time as we continue our deep dive into the Ewoks cartoon series with Season 1, Episode 2, The Haunted Village. Steve, I'll see you then. Absolutely. This and Dorian Life is brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, radiomeanwhile.com. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or Twitter at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share this show wherever you get your podcasts.